0: even in the simple moments of everyday life. A lot can be going on that we don't ever notice. But if we'll take the time, the everyday becomes extraordinary as we lean in and look closer. Well, happy summer to everybody here, and to those of you that are watching online as well. I'm so glad that you're here. If I've met you before. My name is Grant, I'm the lead teaching pastor here, and we're so glad that you've chosen to join us. If you got a Bible with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 22 today. If you're looking for the sermon notes, you can find those also at info.ctk.church. You can fill in the blank till your heart's content. We'd love to have you interact that way. So a few years ago, Laurel and I did a mission trip around the world. We did 24 time zones in 24 days. It was awesome and exhausting and we will never, ever, ever do that again because our sleep patterns are still not completely straightened out. On multiple legs, we flew on Emirates Airlines. And actually, we have friends that are watching from the United Arab Emirates right now. So, hi, Bill, good to see you. Um, and we're so glad that they could join. But Emirates, is a, they are an international carrier. They have huge planes. And on the larger planes, when you enter, you would meet a smiling flight attendant and you would get one of two greetings Either they smiled at you and gestured to their left and said, this way, please, or they had another option. If they motioned to their left, this is what you could anticipate. You could anticipate hours of breathing somebody else's air, no overhead bin space, your knees folded into your chin, the same feeling as a sardine inside of a sardine can, and a man the size of a sumo wrestler falling asleep on your shoulder and drooling down your arm. That's what you got if they sent you to the left. Or the other option is they would smile broadly and almost discreetly say these words, you're welcome upstairs. The plane had an upstairs. It was a magical wonderland of space and food and dinner service and smiling people who didn't drool on you, they actually doted on you for the entire time you were flying. Leg after leg of the journey, Laurel and I were never invited upstairs. And we would openly commit the sin of envy as we saw people walking up the stairs. On one particular leg, though, we stopped at an info counter to find out if we could change the location of our seats. Not from downstairs to upstairs, just from one section of hell in coach to another section of hell in coach. That's what we were just trying to get closer to the bathrooms. We find a counter, and the lady asks a question. She goes, why would you want to change your seats when you're already in business class? I start to protest. Laurel grabs my arm and begins to squeeze and escorts me away before they figure out there's been some kind of an error. When we arrive at the plane, the flight attendant looks at our tickets, smiles, and says, you're welcome upstairs. And we float up to heaven to find a world with a stand-up lounge. Are you kidding me? An iPad-controlled comfort pod, a seat that reclined and massaged my back all the way from one leg to my other destination. Food on China, not plastic, more movies than I could watch. They even had fruit skewers. Fruit on a stick upstairs. I mean, how much more amazing could it be? And Laurel and I are snapping pictures and we're eating nuts Nuts and fruit. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. An attendant stops by. First time in business class. I'm like, how can you tell? Let's take a selfie, right? (laughs) And while you're taking a picture, get me more fruit on a stick. That's what I want. That invitation to go upstairs has ruined us forever. Because now we know what we're missing every time we get on that airplane. It's the fear of missing out at best. Can you tell I'm still just a little bitter about that? There's one central truth to this week's parable from Jesus. One truth that you need to walk out of here with. You've been invited upstairs. And by upstairs, I don't mean business class. (laughs) I mean an eternity with Jesus. And as we look closer, this is the central kingdom truth that we're going to look at today. You have been invited to an eternal... Celebration. Let me give you the context. Jesus has just arrived in Jerusalem. He received a royal welcome, but Jesus is not there for a coronation. He's actually there to die. The only crown he's going to wear is a crown of thorns. He's been flipping tables in the temple. He's been cursing trees. So they look like trees in a Whatcom County heat wave. And he's been telling stories. Let's look closer as the God of the universe invites us upstairs for a celebration. Matthew 22, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, in stories, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a banquet for his son. Sorry. My son and his wife are moving to North Carolina tomorrow morning, so that just hit me. Okay, breathe. All right, prayer, empathy, we're good. All right, so the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. In this culture, here's what you need to know: the weddings were a lavish celebration; they went on for days. Thankfully, our weddings are just one day, and that's good because normally you know how it works, right? It's a hot Saturday afternoon in a hot venue followed by a hot dinner. Then you move to an even harder, hotter barn and, and dance the night away, right? My record temperature for a hot wedding was 115 degrees in northern Manitoba with 100% humidity and black flies and mosquitoes to boot. It was horrible. I didn't wear a suit. It was more like a sponge, Okay. you've got the picture it's a wedding and the characters are obvious the king is God the father the groom is Jesus and the bride is us we're going to find out in this parable we actually fulfill more than one role but the bride is us I have a moment in every wedding that I do that I absolutely love I never tell the groom ahead of time but in the middle of the message this is what I say I look right at him and I say I'm going to ask you a question if you get the answer wrong I'm leaving and this wedding is not happening today no pressure And then I ask the question, would you die for her? And the room gets quiet and you hear a few sniffles and then a guy in an ill-fitting rented tux stammers something like, yes, I would. And the bride melts and the father of the bride says, good answer. (laughs) Ephesians 5 says, just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. We are the bride of Christ, and the one who has chosen us has already answered the question, would you die for her? Jesus already did. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So there's going to be a wedding, and every time you go to a wedding, there's a guest list, right? Invitations have gone out, and now we're going to take some time this morning to look at the RSVPs. In your outline, I called them the, the, the responses from the guest list. So Jesus keeps talking about this king. He's already released the invitations. They've already gone out, and now the responses start coming back. Verse number three, he sent his servants... So we're the bride of Christ in the story. We're also the servants. We're the inviters. We're the bringers. We're the includers. We're the ones who should walk out into the world next week and say, I've been given this incredible gift of grace, and I want you to experience the same thing. We're to be ambassadors of reconciliation, bringing people into the banquet. He sent his servants to those who'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. So, this group of people are chosen. They get a royal invitation, but they refuse to come. Why? Because some guests are just resistant. Their response is, I don't want to go to a wedding. I don't like weddings. I'm not interested in the nuptials. Thank you very much. But no thanks. And some of us are thinking, what's wrong with that, right? What's wrong with refusing an invitation? I've got the right to refuse, don't I? Oh, yes, you do. You have the right to refuse. You can refuse. You have every right to turn down a king's invitation. My question to you is, why would you? Why would you turn that invitation down? We'll get to that in just a moment. Jesus keeps talking because the king wants people to come to his celebration so badly that he ups the ante, so to speak. Verse number four, then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who've been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fat and cattle have been butchered. Everything is ready Come to the wedding banquet. God is saying, "No, seriously, I've taken care of everything. I spared no expense. The celebration is is ready. The only thing that's missing is you. The bill's covered. You don't even have to bring a gift. Your presence is all that I want. Just show up. Come. Accept the invitation. No, really, I want you to come." But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field and another to his business. Even though they get this impassioned invitation, their response is thanks. Appreciate the invitation. I have other priorities. I have important things to do. I've got this agricultural investment. I need to go check it out. I just want to make sure the field is in good order. I've got this business deal. I can't leave the boardroom right now. It's very important. And these are important things. But sometimes, let's face it, our distractions are not nearly that Important, right? I got this new Xbox. It really needs to be broken in. I've got this coffee appointment with someone that I don't even really like, but 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 I, I think I'm gonna put my priority there. I, I have a previous commitment. And after all, God, I'm an introvert. I just don't like crowds. Some guests are distracted. And if I had Pastor Brian's binoculars from last week, which are actually on display in the commons, we're kind of creating a bit of a, a museum exhibit all the way through the summer as we keep adding parable after parable after parable. So if you missed one, you can go and check it out. But If I had Brian's binoculars from last week, I would use them to, see, to, to just look a little closer at anything in my schedule, anything in my life that's distracting me from the cross that's hanging in the center of our room. The attitudes. I'd love to come to your royal celebration, but I've got this aversion to weddings and prime rib and family, so I'm just going to stay home and eat hot dogs and mac and cheese. Some are resistant, some are distracted, and then there's this other group that takes it to a whole other level. Verse number six, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. This last group, they're flat out violent. I mean, how dare you invite me to your celebration? I don't even believe in your kingship. I'll show you what you can do with your invitation. I'll shred your invite and your servants. I'll troll your ceremony, make fun of your venue, critique your choice of entree. I would rather die than accept your wedding invitation. And that's exactly what happens. It's actually pretty dark. The king is enraged. Sends his army and destroys the city. Please don't forget, Jesus is in Jerusalem. His invitation is going to be rejected. He's going to be killed, along with many others of his servants. And history tells us Jerusalem fell. Some guests are antagonistic. It just doesn't go well for them one of the perks of my job, and I actually call it a perk because I enjoy doing it, is to spend time with people who are openly hostile towards the message, the message of Jesus. I spend time with them because I think Jesus would spend time with them. And I hear their objections and their arguments, and I do my best to just try to, to lay out the truth of Jesus and the faithfulness of God and some of the misconceptions that so many people have about the history of Jesus and his church. And and I I just kind of enjoy, I love giving them an opportunity to practice their worldview of tolerance on me and my love for Jesus and my love for my Bible. You know, interesting note, when it comes right down to it, even though they are openly hostile and antagonistic, Jesus keeps pursuing them. You know how I know that? Because he keeps sending me back to continue the conversation. In spite of their anger and their rejection, it's amazing to me, God keeps pouring out grace. Why? Because he doesn't want them to be separated. He doesn't want them to be left out. He wants them to be included in his family. In the book, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis writes these profound words. He says, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, Then thy will be done all that are in hell choose it without that self-choice there could be no hell no soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it those who seek it find it those who knock it is opened let's keep going verse number eight then he said to his servants the wedding banquet's ready but those I invited did not deserve to come So go to the street corners and invite the banquet to the banquet, anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. I love the gathering heart of God. I love that he shows up, according to last week's story, in the marketplace over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter if somebody shows up at 9 in the morning or 11 o'clock at night, God is still saying, I got a place for you some of the guests, they just accept the unanticipated invitation. And where do we find these particular guests? Are they in the upper echelons of society? Nope. Are they on the front page of the tabloid with the A-listers? Absolutely not. Where are they? On the street corners. I love that. Jesus finds his guests on street corners. Laurel and I do this podcast. Um, She's actually the moderator and the one who walks us through the conversation. She does an incredibly masterful job. She's very courageous with her questions and we're releasing a new podcast this week. If you wanna search for it, it's just called Continuing the Conversation with Grant and Laurel Fishbook. And we're gonna talk about the heart of Jesus for people who stand on street corners. It's beautiful. The podcast is called Homelessness, the story behind the sign. And our friends, Raphael and Hans from the Lighthouse Mission, That They will melt your heart answering questions that only my wife has the courage to ask. They will surprise you and challenge you with the heart of Jesus for people who are living on the streets, and they will remind you over and over again the same invitation that you got was extended to them as well. The servants, that's us. We get to go out and bring and include anyone and everyone because God has room for anyone and everyone at his table. And it's interesting. Some people actually have a problem with that. That's what Pastor Brian talked about last week. I mean, because the Bible says that they went out into the the street corners and they found everyone they could find, the good and the bad. And some people are like, what are you talking about? Why are bad people invited? That's not fair. And if that's your response, you need to go back to last weekend and listen. Because Jesus has a lot to say about the fact that, that all those who receive an invitation... Are blessed, they just simply have to accept it. So all of this boils down to a simple question. You have an invitation from a king to attend an eternal celebration. How will you RSVP? Some of you in the room are responding, I already have RSVP. God bless your heart. Let's go out and bring and include so more people have an opportunity to come. Amen? That's our work. Some of you are responding, I'd love to go to a wedding like that. I'd love to go to a celebration like that, but I'm not sure I'm gonna fit in. You don't know my story, Grant. It's a little bit different. It's it, it, it's a little more heartbreaking. I've got all this stuff in my past. I just don't know if I would fit in. I, I don't know if I have the the right c- c- clothes to wear. I just I just don't know if I would be welcomed. Years ago, I took a group of high school kids to inner city Chicago to do some ministry. I've told this story here before. If you've heard it before, forgive me. If not, let's just keep rolling with it. On Sunday of that mission trip, we ended up at the Evangelistic Crusaders Church of God in Christ, Pullman, Illinois. That's a church name right there, I'm telling you. Pastor had been there over 60 years, and that morning for about two and a half hours, we did church. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking church we went upstairs for church and it was incredible and i was uncomfortable because i brought my suit along with me because i knew we were going to be going to church and i forgot my socks so i went to church wearing a suit dress shoes no socks i know that's kind of cool now it was not cool back then just saying right And I'm horrified when I hear the pastor get up to the front of the church and say, we have guests with us today, and their pastor will bring a word. I'll bring a what? You're going to bring a word. And I'm thinking to myself, I have to walk up all of these stairs to get to the pulpit. I mean, they didn't have like a music stand or an iPad. It was a pulpit. You know what I'm talking about? Like it, it looks like a tank made out of wood with a cross on the front of it. It's huge, right? And I'm thinking, as I'm walking up, everybody in the church is going to see, I forgot my socks. And it was so much in my brain, I got up to the front behind the pulpit, and all that came out of my mouth was, I forgot my socks. <laughs> I felt like Forrest Gump. I forgot my socks. I mean, and that was just it. And off to my right hand side in this context, the pastor's wife, she's called the church mother, and she has her special chair. It's like a throne. We need to get one for Laurel. Put it right up here, okay? This church mother, right? And all I say is, I forget my socks, and I hear her say, Help him, Lord. <laughs> Help him, Lord. And I'm thinking, Amen. Help me, Lord. And I said it again. I forgot my socks, and then it just kind of came tumbling out. I said, But if Moses could stand, barefoot in God's presence, then I think it's okay for me. And the church mother said, "Mm, come on. And it was on for the next 30 minutes. I had so much fun because that church talked back. They said amen when they heard something they wanted to affirm. They were not afraid to get out of their comfort zone as the frozen chosen. They moved around a little bit. They put their hands in the air because Jesus was their only answer. And I think we could learn a few things from them. Why am I telling you that? Look at what comes next. Verse 11, but when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? And the man was speechless. We need to understand the culture in order to understand this. Why was this man speechless? It's because he knew better he knew better. Here's what you need to note. In this tradition, in this culture, you were not only provided with an invitation to a wedding, you were also provided with suitable wedding clothes by the one who invited you, and the reason the king wanted you to have the wedding clothes that were given to everyone is so that not a single person would feel out of place. Isn't that cool? Everyone was provided with the right kind of wedding clothes. I'm glad we're not still doing that. I had to pay for my daughter's wedding and like, no thank you. (laughs) There was no excuse to show up your own way unless you were just that arrogant. So don't feel sorry for this man. He knew exactly what he was doing. And this is the tragedy. Still today, some guests try to set their own conditions. Some guests know, oh, the clothes have been offered, but thank you, but no thank you. I, I, I think I'll refuse. I'm going to pass. This is their response. I'll come to your wedding, but I'm going to do it my way with my rules. I don't care if it's a black tie affair. I'm going to wear shorts because I can. And I don't care if you're picking up the tab. You should just be grateful that I show up at all. Wow. And isn't that the way for so many people today? Oh, I want to come to the wedding, but I'm going to do it on my terms. I'll tell you what time you get of my week. I'll let you know whether or not I can spare you an hour, God. I'll let you know whether or not I can serve or not serve. After all, I'm a very busy person. I've got commitments these days. For some people, thanks for the invite, God. I got it from here. I'll take it. And I'll tell you what, if I was God, I would have attracted the invite at that point, but once again, that's not God. So listen to this. If you're feeling like you'd love to accept, but you feel like somehow you're going to be out of place because of your story, can I encourage you with this? We all have a story, and we all feel that way at times. Listen to the words of Scripture. From Isaiah 64, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. And that would be absolutely depressing, but it doesn't end there. That's not the end of the story. Let's look a little closer. Isaiah 61 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. God still provides clothes. Some of you are like, I'm not sure I want to wear that. That's okay. I'm not crazy about suits either. I have one for marrying, one for burying, and that's about as far as it goes. But I'll tell you what, if God showed up and said, my gracious heart towards you is so extensive, I know you can't come up with the right kind of a wardrobe on your own, so here's the deal. I'll give you mine. The Bible says that God clothes us in a robe of his righteousness, which means this, everything that we've ever done wrong is covered by everything that Jesus has ever done right. It doesn't matter how tattered and shredded your garment is, Jesus shows up in the midst of this celebration and says, I've got something for you. We're we're, we're just going to wrap this around your shoulders. It's okay. It's going to fit perfectly. It was custom made for you. I've known you've been on your journey this whole time. just been waiting for you to say yes to the invitation. So now, now, you're not going to wear your outfit. You're going to wear mine. Listen to this. Then the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, see, I've taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. The Father provides your wedding garments, not you. It's not about your effort or your fashion choice or your ability to be a quote-unquote good person. It's all about him taking off his garment and putting it on you. Can I also share another element of that? There is a dress code of God for his servants, for his followers. We find it in Colossians chapter 3. To those of us who have taken seriously God's call to invite and bring and include and welcome people, good and bad, right? The Bible says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I wish we could stop there in the story because it would be a really happy place to stop. But there's one more little piece of business we have to take care of. Verse 13 Do you remember the guy who was speechless because he actually had no excuse because he knew better? Here's what happens. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. The only thing you need to be chosen is to choose him. He chose you. And now it's on us to choose him. Some of you are still not convinced, but Grant, I don't have any socks. That's why I wore flip-flops on purpose. But I, I just don't know if God has room on the guest list for me. Don't let the devil lie to you. You've been invited. You are welcome. There's a space for you. And the king's waiting. He wants you to show up to celebrate the wedding of his son and his bride. He wants you to be there. He wants you to have a front row seat. You think Chicago has upstairs church? Wait till heaven shows up. (laughs) So the question is simple. It's a simple application. I tried to make it more theologically complex. It's just simply not. That's what I love about Jesus. It's a simple question. How will you respond to the invitation from a king? Today, right here, right now. How will you respond? Some will resist. I understand. I resisted for years. Some of us will get distracted. As soon as we hit the parking lot, our phone's gonna go ding or... And then we're gonna be like, woo. Some of us are going to continue to be flat-out antagonistic. Can I tell you something as a former antagonist? The more antagonistic you get, the more Jesus will pursue you. Because he loves you that much. Some of us will try and negotiate our terms. I think I can get into heaven on my own merit. I'm kind of banking on the fact that God's going to grade on a curve, slap a high-five, and everybody's going to get in. That's not what the parables teach. That would be easier for me to preach... Oh, we're all going to be fine. I would refer you to the end of Matthew 22, the words of Jesus, with what he does with someone who has an offer of wedding clothes and turns them down. It's stark, but it's real. And here's the other half. If you don't want to deal with that response, accept the invitation. what's your decision? Because the best news I have for you is if you're watching this online or sitting in the room right now, the best news I can give you is this. You've been invited upstairs. Why would you settle for coach when the king of the universe is standing in front of you today saying, you've been invited upstairs? Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for a very real story today, a parable that really helps us look closer. God, of all the responses today, my prayer is that many who are watching online or in the room would simply and graciously accept the invitation. And I pray that they would do so by praying a simple prayer. A simple prayer that says, Jesus I have not accepted your invitation until today. But today, based on the invitation of a king, I I confess my sin to you. God, I've done life the wrong way. I repent, I turn the other way, and I thank you so much that I don't have to stand here in shredded clothes. Instead, today, I want to accept the robe of righteousness, the perfection of Jesus to cover my sin. God, I ask you today to forgive me. Lord, and give me strength to live every day from this day forward as one of your servants who brings and includes others into this glorious story of grace. God, I know I'm, I'm, I'm gonna forget at times and I'm gonna show up without socks. But I thank you that you will cover me in that moment. And I pray in that moment I would turn away again and choose the righteous path over and over and over again. So I give my heart to you right now in accepting your invitation. Give me the rest of my life to live for you so that one day I can experience eternity with you. Oh, what a celebration that will be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer today, whether you're here with us or in a campground somewhere or watching online at home, I want you to know that if you prayed that prayer, God just did an incredible transformation in your life. And we would love nothing more than to follow up with you. And so thank you for joining our family. You are so welcome. God, for those of us who are distracted, antagonistic, resistant, Lord, I pray that you would continue to wear down those objections so that one day we could all show up for the wedding of your son and his bride. We thank you for your invitation. May our lives be different because of it today. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen.